Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the Word of God. Some of you that are not sure about all this, just ask the Lord. I just go back and look, look in the book of Acts. This is nothing. I mean, it's something. I don't mean that it's not important, but I mean, people were walking around like they were drunk and stuff. That's actually normal. You know that Jesus and his disciples were the most normal Christians ever? I love this church. I love what God's doing here. I never want, I never want to have a critical spirit, but sometimes over the years when I've seen the Lord do things and I'll so, see people like this and they're like, oh my God, what am I doing here? This is... Just remember, the Holy Ghost isn't the weird one. And I mean that with no criticism in my heart. If we want to take on the new wine, we have to have a new wineskin. Because the Lord wants to take us from glory to glory to glory to glory. He wants to reveal new things to us wants to open up understanding. You know, I can give a word to them like that. I couldn't give a word like that to everybody. They have to, if I did, for a lot of people, it would only be in private. And, because they wouldn't have the ability to, the wine skin to hold it, if you will. With the Lord, not that there's enough hours in the day to prophesy over and are in a service to prophesy over everybody like that, but you know, most prophecy really is in between people and relationally is how it really is supposed to work. But the Lord wants everybody to be at a place to where they'll receive what he's dishing out. Does that make sense? So what we've been doing for a while now is we've been cultivating just to an atmosphere where the Lord can do what he wants. Because for years, for years, we've heard it in churches. Lord, have your way. <laughs> and then as soon as he starts having his way, people leave. Oh, I, I, just, I can't believe that pastor just, or, or, I can't, a guest speaker that, he was wild. It's like, wait a second. We said, Lord, have your way. He had his way. And then you had your way right out the door. But I love what the Lord's doing because there's such a shift that's happening. I can see the hunger. The Lord sees the hunger in your hearts for the real thing, the legit thing, what's authentic. He's an authentic God who works in and through authentic people. And that's what you are. As a matter of fact, he was also speaking to me. I don't know how I, don't know how I can hear all of the things that I'll hear. And a lot of you can understand this, but... I'll hear a lot of things all at once. And the Lord was also speaking to me about that in this church, that there is a shift that's coming like right now. The month of June was the quietest month that we've had prophetically. Um, ministry, it was like the Lord just said, here, take a month off. I mean, it was just quiet. But the reason is because it's the calm before the storm. And I'm talking about a good storm. And I, I see a shift happening in the spirit to where we're going to move in and we're going to step into some new things. 
And part of the reason we're going to do that is because we've stewarded what he's given us and we continue to steward what he's, what he's already given us. He gave us, he's given us so much. In particular, we could look at the dreams. And for, I still have people go, I'm not dreaming. Don't worry about it. Just keep your heart before the Lord and God will give you what, what you need to have. So don't ever be condemned by that. But we've had now thousands of dreams to where the Lord has, who in here has been affected by a, a, a dream personally? Look around. It's like 80, 85% of us sitting in here. So God, God's given us this gift and we've stewarded it and we've begun to, to turn the corner and we're going to keep the thing that he gave us, but he's gonna bring us into some things that we've not yet seen that we've not yet experienced. Now listen to me. This is very important. We will never take the glory of God and focus only on what he gives us. In fact, we won't focus on what he can give us. We'll keep our focus and attention on him, but we'll enjoy the fruit of what he's come to bring us. It's very important because we see people get off track when they start to focus on the glory and the miracles and the things that take place, but really it's all supposed to go back to him. He's the essence of what we're all about. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. But we have to have a new wine skin if we want to receive what God's pouring out. So a question to ask yourself is, do I have the capacity to receive the next thing that the Lord would give to me personally or in a service or whatever it is? Because the way it works is that Jesus said that if you, you can't put new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wineskins will burst and then the, the new wine is ruined. And so the Lord is really, really a very good steward of his presence, of his gifts. And so he doesn't ever withhold from us in punishment, but sometimes because we're not ready, he won't give it to us until we're ready. Does that make sense? And a lot of that is about having a new wineskin, a new, the, the ability, not really the ability, but the willingness to receive what the Lord is pouring out. And so what happens is that when wine goes into new wineskins, new wine into new wineskins, the gases get released in the wine and it expands the wineskin. And then that wineskin is expanded all that it will go. So if you, then if you take that wine and you, you drink it, so to speak, you use it, and then you take new wine and you put it into that wineskin that's already stretched, that new wine is going to burst it. So what the Lord is saying is, look, I've stretched you this far. I've pulled you along this far. Now are you willing for me to go to the next level and stretch you out even more? Are you willing for me to reveal the next thing that I have for you? I can promise you that if God just gave us all at once, it, really, he's given us all that have, heaven has on the inside of us. That's another thing for another time. We have the fullness of God dwelling on the inside of us. But if he were to bring revelation to us in our, in our understanding all at one time, it would probably literally kill us because heaven has so much in it and so much to offer. There's so much to know, to see, to experience and to understand concerning the things of the spirit, concerning heaven and what heaven has for us. And God wants us to experience and know it and see it and hear 
all of it, every ounce of it, because he's a good God and has all of it for, all of it for us. So we need to always be going, Lord, am I stretched enough to receive what you're throwing down the pipeline? And then once we know something, experience something, get new revelation on something, then we need to go, awesome, God, thank you so much. Now, am I ready to receive the next thing that, that you have for me? Amen. And when we go from glory to glory, revelation to revelation, we don't put down what God gave us in the past. We hold on to it and we steward that thing properly, but we're always willing to say, Lord, whatever you want to show me next, I'm willing to do. This is one of the things that we have to we have to have in order to cultivate an atmosphere for the supernatural is we have to have new wineskins because the supernatural power of God and his manifestation in a group of people like this, in a family like this, it's something that he always wants to grow and he always wants to reveal new sides of him, new understandings of him. I've been in services and things and places where God did amazing things, but it was because those people we're ready to receive what it was that the Lord was pouring out. And he's, he's such a gracious father that he cares about unity, I believe, personally, more than anything else. And if he were to just do things and without bringing understanding of what he's bringing us into, it could cause disunity. Because then you'd have some people saying this is awesome and other people saying this isn't awesome and whatever. But God wants us all to come together and receive what he has. Does that make sense? And to come up together and receive what he has. So he's such a, he's such a gracious God. He's really smart. He's really old. And so he's just really smart at everything that he does. Amen. So I look forward. I love what God has done. And I love the, I love the dreams. I mean, we have, we have, I never thought. And see, that's the thing, is that what the Lord will pour out, you don't know, so you, we don't know what we need. I mean, sometimes, you know, if our arm hurts, yeah, we need our arm to be healed. But a lot of times in the things of the spirit and the call that the Lord has on us and how he's moving us, we don't know what we need. We don't know. I never would have dreamed of dreams. I never would have said, and I never even prayed for it. Lord, will you give me dreams? Oh, I said it was, Lord, I just want, I really want what you want. I really totally just want what you want. And when we come to that place, the Lord will go, okay, let me show you what I want. And although it's been exciting, it's also been really, really challenging. You know, Liz and I were talking, and even this morning, that every time we have a, a dream with um, a basement or a bathroom, we're like, oh, Jesus, help me. Because <laughs> the basement's usually some foundational issue, and the bathroom is usually some kind of cleansing that needs to go on. Nobody enjoys those dreams. <laughs> but... There's a, been a, this, this sweet spot to where the Lord has been able to help us grow up as individuals and grow together and realize, and it's also kept us at a place of humility because we realize we don't have it all figured out. We've got some things figured out, but we don't have it all figured out, and, and God's been able to help grow us up in some things. We've got a few minutes left here, and I'll always use all my time plus a few more minutes that I don't have, but... I need to release something to you that the Lord spoke to me last night. I've got multiple hours worth of things to share with you, but I, I just want to take a few moments and, and give you this word that he gave, me, gave to me last night when we were in prayer in here. And if you don't come to Saturday night prayer, 
um, you should consider start starting to come because it's really, really powerful. Any great move of God that you see, you'll always find people at the root of it praying together. We don't always know how to pray perfectly. We don't pray perfectly, but we have a heart to say, God, we want what you want. We want to cooperate with you. You know that if you don't pray, you're not in cooperation with the Lord. That's part of, that's part of our calling in relationship with him. And so I encourage you to do that. But when we were in here last night, the Lord spoke to me so clear about something. And it was, it was a very strange, almost unique and he began to speak to me about this next season, how important this is for many people in here. And really, this is just great wisdom for everybody. But I mean, this is very, very timely um, about relationships, but then also about the best way I can put it in simple terms is the fire of God. And he laid this out to me in just moments. And when I talk about the fire of God, I'm not talking about a... Uh, a time when we call down fire and, you know, who wants the fire kind of thing. I'm, I'm not talking about that. But see, there's a fire of God that is supposed to be on our life that's correct, that is right. And you, when you look at what fire does, fire burns things. And oh, back in Leviticus chapter 6, I'm going to read this really quickly. So Leviticus chapter 6, which is back where... Your pages are stuck together. Because I know people spend a lot of time in Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 6. In verse 12 here, I just want to read these two verses. And this is a great picture. Leviticus 6 and 12, and it says, And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out, and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning, and lay the burnt offering in order on it, and he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. And then verse 13 says, a fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. Everything that is in the Old Testament was true for them then, but it's at the very least, it's a picture for us now. And so when you looked at where the fire was in the tabernacle, there was the inner courts, or excuse me, the most holy place, then the inner courts, and then the outer courts. And this fire was on the outer courts. When you fast forward to where we're at, and back then, before we fast forward, back then the presence of God was in the most holy place, right? So when you fast forward to where we're at now, where does the presence of God dwell? It says that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't dwell in a temple or a tabernacle made with hands, he dwells on the inside of us. Our spirit man is the most holy place. Our soulish realm is the, the inner courts. And then the outer courts is just, it's our physical body, but it's just flesh in general. And you notice that the, if you go back and study it, that this altar where they would, they would make these sacrifices, it was in the outer courts. So the picture and the way this applies to us today is that our flesh is always supposed to be on the altar. And that fire is always supposed to continually be burning all the time. In Romans chapter 12, in verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto him, unto him for this is your reasonable service. So he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's a place of, of death, but it's also a living sacrifice. 
See, God hasn't called us to be dead people, but to be alive people. But God hasn't called us to just be alive. He's also called us to be dead. Because spiritually, we've been made alive unto him. Our spirit man has been made. It's been made new. It's been made perfect. We have this relationship with God that is always there because of who we are in the spirit. But our flesh is in the process of being changed. But the only way that it can be changed, the only way that it can be dealt with is if we continually keep the fire burning all of the time. And this is what the Lord began to speak to me concerning relationships. And I, this isn't, I wouldn't normally make this correlation, but this is just what the Lord spoke to me. So I'm just releasing this word this morning and I believe it to be so timely. He says, for people um, that have never experienced See, we come in contact with people all the time. Everybody can understand that. So the question is, what do we do with the people that we come in contact with? And who we're connected up with and how we are connected up with them is extremely important for what God has for us. And you, we are not supposed to be connected with people that are bad for us. This is really simple, but this is really, really important. I meet so many people who have trouble in their life and it's like they want to move forward but they stay at this place to where they stay connected with people that are bad for them and if you want to grow you have to sometimes cut off or watch who you're dealing with and and how you're dealing with those people and the influence they have in your life or they don't have in your life all that's very important this is what the lord said concerning the the fire of god and really when you're talking about the fire of god you're talking about the altar and you're talking about a place of death you know one of the the main pictures that we have in the new testament for christians is the cross we also have the empty tomb, but we have the cross. And you can't have resurrection until you first have death. And over in Hebrews chapter 12, let me read this real quick, and then I'm going to show you these things that the Lord showed me. In Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice that he's the author and the finisher of our faith. And for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. It didn't just say that he resurrected. He endured the cross first. He took on him payment that we couldn't pay for. And that's what the cross represents. But do you know what also, the also what else the cross represents? Is that he was risen again in newness of life, but he had to come to a place of dying first. And when it comes to our life in Christ, we can never have resurrection unless we have death first. You can't resurrect something that's never been dead. So if we have something that's dead in our life, that's stinking, that's rotten, the fire on the altar should always be burning to where we can go and go, God, this doesn't belong to me. That attitude's really nasty and we throw it on the fire. And so instead of having the bitterness, the offense, the hurt in our heart, we throw it on the fire, it gets consumed, and then God brings resurrection to where now we have joy, we have forgiveness, we have peace, whatever the situation is. This is extremely important. And who and how we are connected up with people that are willing to be at that place in their life can make the difference on what happens to us in our life. There was a reason why these commandments and these, these sacrifices for all of the people, all of the children, they were, all were required to do these things. 
It was so that they would all be at a place together to where God was their God. And they all, he was not only their God, but they were all in a place to where they had to humble themselves and say, I missed it, I missed it, I missed it, I missed it. There's a very delicate balance that the Lord has been revealing. See, I'm a, I'm a new creature preacher. I talk about the righteousness that we have in Christ Jesus, this new, this blessed assurance that we have, this hope that we have in him, this, this uh, position that we're at with him. But I also understand that outwardly we're being renewed day by day, that we should work out from the inside out our salvation with fear and trembling. Everybody has stuff. So if we only look to who we are in Christ and don't ever deal with the outward things, we don't have a full picture of what the Lord's asking of us. But if we only look to the outward things, the problems and the issues, we end up in, in guilt and shame and condemnation, and we, we forget the position that we have with him. Both are extremely important for the Christian, the disciple, to understand their position, but also staying at a place of humility to say, God, I still have stuff in me that needs to change. I still have areas that I need to grow up in. I still have attitudes that need adjusted. I still have relationships that I don't know how to deal with. Right? I, all of the things that go on, we have to stay in that place to where we're confident in who we are in him in our position but we're also willing to say father i'm going to remain humble before you so you can deal with the things that need to be dealt with can i get a big amen, amen. so it says to consider jesus in the next verse consider him or consider jesus who endured such hostility from sinners against himself lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls so in other words jesus went to the place of of death and we should consider him going to that place He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And the way that we start and we end is always coming to a place of death and then we come to a place of resurrection. Ultimately, the Christian life is all about living in the resurrection power, but we can't be resurrected until we first come to a place of death. You wanna know why you're having problems consistently in certain areas? It's because you haven't really died to that thing. And this is why Paul says, I'm beseeching you, I implore you, I'm begging you, please make yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is, it's a reasonable thing to do. Amen. Let me give you these different things that the Lord showed me concerning people and the fire of God, the place of death where they're at and how you relate to them. So for people who have never experienced it, and this is our position, this is what we're supposed to do. For people who have never experienced that, we have compassion on them, always. When you find somebody, and we all know people that it's like, if you would just die to your ways and turn to Jesus, everything would be awesome. It would be amazing. Amen. We all know people like that. We need to have compassion on those people. Because when you come to the the other side of it, you realize how amazing it is. Jesus said that if you want to find your life, you first have to lose it. Liz and I were walking this morning and, and uh, uh, we were talking about this, this thing about death and resurrection. And I said, nobody loves death, but everybody loves the resurrection. And she said, no, I love death. And I said, no, you don't. She said, yeah, I do. And I said, no, you love the results that come after you die. And I said, and then this is when she's like, and I said, how about the dreams where the bathroom and the foundation come up? She's like, oh, yeah. I said, yeah, that's death. That's the Lord saying, we got a little problem here and we need to work on it. But what she was saying was, I love the results that come after I lay the thing down on the altar. God deals with it. And then we have resurrection life that comes. Hallelujah. 
So when we look at people and we see them just wallowing in all of their problems, instead of going, I wish you would straighten up, and maybe we don't say that outwardly, but we say it inwardly, let's have compassion on those people because until the blinders are removed and you've experienced what it's like to die and then have resurrection, all they see is the death. They don't see the resurrection. Isn't it amazing that the very first thing that we have to do to receive Jesus is believe that he died and was risen from the dead? You want to get saved? Great. You have to believe in the resurrection power of God. You have to believe that Jesus was rose from the dead. That's amazing when you think about that. The very first thing you have to believe is raising from the dead power to be saved. That's amazing. But when people learn the death and the power that's in the death and the resurrection, that's what it's all about. But have compassion on them until they come to that place. Always have compassion on those people. Always pray for those who have experienced it but are not walking in it. We know these people, they've been born again. They've experienced like, God, I need you. There's been a form of a death there. They've had some kind of resurrection, like, oh man, God save me. But then we see them walk wayward. Pray for those people. Listen to this. These are strong words. Always reject those who hold to a form of it, but deny its source. This is extremely important for the time that we're living in right now. Let me give you this a little bit more. In 2 Timothy, can you all take five more minutes? Are you getting something out of this? 2 Timothy chapter 3, and look what it says here in verse 5, verse five and, and actually verse 1, it says, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. So 2 Timothy 3 and 1, jump down for time's sake to verse 5, it's a whole list of things. He says about these people that they're having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Do you know where the power for the Christian life is? It's not just saying that Jesus rose from the dead, but it's, re- it's recognizing that he died first, then rose from the dead. And our example as believers is to follow what Jesus did, that we live a life of death so that we can have the resurrection. Well, when you have somebody that only talks about the resurrection and they never talk about a place of death in their life, those are scary people to be around. Because you know why? There's no humility. You are going to be like, you're going to imitate who you're around, and you're going to be like who you imitate. If you are around and you are tied to people that talk about how blessed they are, what God's done for them, and all of these wonderful things, but they never talk about the place of death in their life. Those are scary people. And so when Paul says, from such people turn away, those who hold to a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. I've met so many people who talk about they've got all of the Christianese right, but when it comes down to it, they've never really humbled and submitted themselves to the Lord. I'm telling you folks, that is a dangerous person to be around. Because if we don't stay humble and submitted before the Lord, we're not going to be able to not only do what God wants us to do, but we're not going to walk in his best, all of those things. You cannot have resurrection without first having death. So according to this, reject those who hold to a form of it, but deny its source. So for people that would sit and talk about all of their blessing and all the great things they've got going on, but you never hear them talk about, man, God showed me this. See, this is, re- I'm talking about relationship with people. I'm not talking about being in the same room as them. I'm talking about when you are connected in covenant relationship with people, you should not be in covenant with people 
that don't ever talk about coming to the point of the cross, coming to the point of death. You see, the cross was just a picture of death. That's what it was about. If, if Jesus had lived in a different time where the Romans weren't in charge of the crucifixion, it might have been, or even a different time in the Roman time period, it could have just been lions. And instead of reading about the cross, we would be reading about how he was fed to the lions. And then Jesus would have said, take up your lion den and follow me. Because the point of the cross, the reason for talking about the cross is it's a point of death. He's saying, pick up your death and follow after me. Literally, be at a place in your life to where you die daily to self, your ambitions, your ideas. This isn't popular in a lot of what's happening in Christianity. A lot of what's happening in churches, eh, I don't know. A lot of these meeting places to where people are coming to hear some kind of message, they're not hearing about dying first. They're just hearing about, and look, I'm all for the blessing of God. I believe in prosperity. I believe in healing. I believe in the blessing. I believe in all of that. I could preach it. I have preached it till I've been blue in the face, and everybody else has been too. I love talking about that, but you cannot have resurrection without having death first. The message of the cross is what we need to come back to. We need to come back to a place to say, God, my life doesn't belong to me. It belongs to you. I'm not my own. I've been bought with the price. And the reality is, is that once you realize that you've been bought and paid for and you go ahead and just surrender to him, you have a way better life with him than with you. Instead of trusting in your ability, you trust in him. And all of a sudden, everything becomes amazing. It becomes awesome. Your circumstances aren't always perfect, but on the inside, you've got this vibrancy, this awesomeness, because he gives you a life because you've said, I'm going to trade what I call life, give it to you, and I'm going to receive the life that you have for me. Amen. Let me give you two more. So the last one was always reject those who hold to a form, but deny its its true source. And then the last two here, only connect with those who desire it like you do. So when you talk about relationship with people, you should only connect covenantly, relationally speaking with people. This doesn't mean you cut everybody off out of your life. We have lots of relationship with people that don't have the same desires that that I have, but I don't sit and talk about and go through life with people that don't desire the fire of God, that don't desire to be at the place of the altar like I do. I don't spend time with people like that that aren't willing to be at that place because that's what a true disciple is. See, Jesus had the multitude He had the 12, he had the three, and he had the one. He had the multitude, then he had the 12 disciples, and he had Peter, James, and John, and then he had John. And as the more tight-knit it got together, the stronger the group was. John, in my opinion, John was the strongest out of all of them. And beyond that, Peter, I don't know what Peter was, but prophetically, the Lord saw how strong Peter was going to be. Amen. But Peter, James, and John, he saw something with them. They were a little more tight-knit. So the, the closer you walk with people, the stronger they should be walking in this. Amen. The last thing I'm going to give you here, only, very important, only sit under those who have this working in their life. I give you full permission that if you ever see me come to a place to where I am not living a life of death first so that resurrection can come, you better pack up your bags and you better leave and write Ichabod over it, which means the glory has departed. Because the glory of God will not reside on a place where people are not dying to themselves first. 
And when you have pastors, you have ministers, you have leaders that don't come to this place of, see, it's about surrender. You don't like the word death? Okay, let's just say surrender. That doesn't sound a whole lot better. How about, how about commitment? That doesn't sound much better either. So whatever, any of those words you want to put in there, it's just coming to a place to where you empty yourself of you and say, Jesus, everything belongs to you and I need your resurrection life and power working in me. And so I'm going to empty myself of me so that and you can have everything that I have Everything that I have that I don't have belongs to you because I need the life that you have. Can you receive this today? Protect your family, your relationships. I'm telling you, this is a prophetic word from God. I don't normally preach things that I heard 18 hours ago, less than that. And I'm telling you, this is the word that the Lord has for us. You need to make sure that the people you're in covenant with and sitting underneath of are at this place to where they're dying to themselves because when you find people that aren't, that aren't doing that, you find people that are not in humility, which means that they're in pride and they're only gonna lead you into pride and what comes before destruction and before the fall, it's pride. Being in a place of humility is a really, really awesome, powerful place. Amen, amen, hallelujah. Praise God, God good, awesome. Be encouraged, be strengthened. Love you. Thank you for listening to the weekly message. To find out more about Overcomers Church International and to hear more messages like this one, please visit our website at ociperryville.com.